Hi, I'm Caleb. I'm Lisa. <laughs> and I'm Sean. And this is Watcher Harry, a podcast where three obsessive and slightly drunk friends discuss the wider Harry Potter universe. And just as a note, uh, this is a content warning. We will be using some not very kid-friendly language and potentially topics. Uh, so please uh, do not let your kids listen to this podcast. That goes for every episode. <laughs> hey, not yes. unless you're a cool parent. So no, blanket, uh, blanket <laughs> warning because we do keep yes. forgetting to say it. Um, you, know, Lisa, let's just start with you. Let's get this out of the way. What disgusting thing are you drinking tonight? What are you bringing to <laughs> so us? It's always me. <laughs> Okay, I have to uh, lead a trip at Mount Baker tomorrow. So I will be, uh, I'm drinking this because it has 4.7%, but it's the Topo Chico hard seltzer and it's actually bomb. They oh, sold never, out. I, I didn't even know that existed. I, saw the I didn't billboard either. In Philly. It was on sale at the Safeway and I was like, I'm going skiing. This is perfect. Let's do it. And then bought it. And this is the mango, the tropical mango flavor. This one is maybe my second favorite. The first one is the pineapple. How does it compare to the other seltzers? Oh, like way beyond better. Um, Is it actually like Topo Chico in there? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't know. Doesn't specifically say, but I assume so. Um, But the, yeah, it's, it's quite good. It doesn't, it's not as sweet as other seltzers are. And it also doesn't have that same like artificial taste. Mm -hmm. Um, There's like a strawberry one also. And that one apparently tastes good to other people. Um, To me, strawberry flavor always kind of tastes like smuckers or like Mm -hmm. smackers or whatever, like lip smackers. Yeah. Um, And I, and I don't like that, like kind of flavor. Um, but this one's good. The pineapple's delicious. Um, and even the strawberry, which is my least favorite of the four flavors that it came with, is still good. Okay. Um, so I, I got to try it. it. How expensive is it? Um, I don't know. I think it was for, I think I got a 12 rack and it was on sale. So I got it for only like $16. Um, I think normally it was like 23 Oh, so it must okay. be good. But still, I mean, it's a 12 rack. So like. Yeah, that's pretty more good. More affordable than some and, and more expensive, expensive than like. Expensable. Expensable. It's less mm. expensive. I don't think you can expense this. <laughs> um, more expensive than like, I don't know what are other flavors, the other ones. White Claw. Well, well, actually, Lisa, I am also drinking a mango hard seltzer. Um, not Topo Chico. I am kind of, (laughs) I'm jealous, but, uh, I am drinking Kate May Brewing's, uh, hard seltzer, which is actually very good. Uh, it is not as like weird and artificial tasting as like a White Claw or one of those other ones. Mm -hmm. Kate May, the best in the game. I'll just say it. Ah, they're so good. Have you, have you, have you been down to their brewery yet? No. Oh, we, because my family lives down in Wildwood. So we go like every time we're down there and it is, it's just so good. I would love to do that this summer. We'll, we'll go since you're here. Ah! And Lisa will be here with. Uh, with her, her new puppy, puppy and her new job. As if I have this puppy and have started looking at puppies. I have done neither of those things. I just know that since I'm going to be working a little bit more remotely, I have yeah. the opportunity to maybe get a puppy or a dog. Just to glimmer in your eye. I keep telling myself. I'm going to just get a dog, but I feel like I'm probably going to get a puppy. So 
But yeah, guys, Lisa got a new job, so everyone congratulate her on her promotion. Congrats, Lisa. And Sean got a new job, and Caleb got a new job. Oh, yeah, we all got new jobs. We all got new jobs. Look at this podcast. You know, this podcast, I think, has really just been good for our careers. Yes. Which is is shocking. I don't even want to say what my new job is because I'm worried I'll get fired for some of the shit we've said on here. Great. I mean, I highly doubt that anyone at your place of work will find out about us with our like people are creepy and 20 pop well well i had like i had not mentioned this podcast in my interview like nothing but i had (laughs) it at the bottom of my personal website just to be like hey i like host and edit podcasts and so like my my manager was just like, oh, it's so cool. You like you do this. And so it, it was in the welcome email about me that went to the whole organization <laughs> That's with, a, incredible. with a link to the podcast. <laughs> no, which so episode? I, so I don't know. I think it just linked to like this, either the Spotify page or like the app, you oh, know, like the Apple. Your work is doing our promotional work for us. So like that was Bro. awesome. I don't, I don't know. No one has like come up to me to be like, hey, I listened to it. <laughs> and if that ever, and if they have, I hope that they do continue to keep that a secret. Cause I like, don't want them. I don't want to know that they know some of the things that I have said on this podcast. Oh God. If Incredible. there were to be a code word that you would like them to use with you to let you know that you that they know what you're talking about, what would it be? Oh crumple horn snorkack. Yeah. Yes. If someone just That's like it. dropped that to me, I'd be like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh there are children involved with my job, so I will say no more, but I'm very excited. <laughs> so Caleb, what are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking. So I bought a variety pack of uh, Victory IPAs. So this is the Brotherly Love Hazy IPA. And on deck here, I have a Sour Monkey Sour Triple. Oh, fuck. The 9.5% persuasion. Yeah, that'll uh, kill you. I'm going to save that for the the back half of the, <laughs> of the episode. <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> I haven't had victory in like seven years. Yeah. Yeah. Golden monkey came in the pack and I don't even, I'm just, I don't even want to touch it. I haven't. It's not, it's not good. It's not the best. Ugh. Okay. Oh, what yeah. are, I think that's all of our housekeeping business. We don't have any other like announcements or anything we need to make. No. Um, Lisa, can you cue us up for this episode? Because this was something you were super excited to talk about. Yeah. Um, Okay. So this week we are going to talk about the house self enslavement um, and what that means in the Harry Potter world. Um, So one of the reasons that this, mostly one of the reasons that this really interested me is because during my last like re-listen, a lot of the inconsistencies with house self magic really pissed me off. And so I had a lot of like nagging questions in the back of my mind while I was reading it. So like a lot of my, my research, um, for this, um, I love how I make hand gestures as if the audience (laughs) can see them. Um, but my, a lot of my research for this episode was really just like me digging in the recesses of my brain and like, just like full stream of consciousness. I think at the top of my notes that I proposed for this episode, I literally just have like Lisa's random mind wanderings and musings. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I like, 
I think one of the things, yeah, I think one of the big things that really brought me into this one was how incredibly powerful house elves are and how incredibly underutilized they are. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, So let's start by kind of going over the very basics of what we know about house elves, which is not a lot. Mm -mm. So uh, either Lisa or Caleb, one of you had kind of put this sort of like folklore origins of this type of elf, which we'll get to in a minute. But I actually tried to find on both like Pottermore and Harry Potter wiki, and I couldn't find my copy of Fantastic Beasts, which I think has like a very brief house elf section in there. But I could not really find a ton on like the origins of house elves, which is crazy since like JK loves giving us random shit about things we didn't ask for. And I'm like, but why can't I find out like when was the first time that like a house elf began working for a human? Mm-hmm. I have no idea. Like I, I don't, we know the kind of current relationship between humans and house elves. And obviously it's like kind of a huge subplot throughout the books, but I historically, I could not find anything about like the origins of when these two people sort of started like mashing up in the way that we have, you know, the history of like the goblin rebellions and things like that. Like that does not seem to exist, which says something both about, you know, the way that like wizards think about house elves. And then quite honestly, the way like JK has not felt the need to expand upon that history, which maybe shows how interested she is in them as characters. Uh Yeah, absolutely. I big agree. I did the same kind of rabbit hole trying to like delve deeper into like some more of like the actual like Harry Potter universe history, right? Like of trying to figure out like what's the deal with house elves really? Like, um, and she doesn't go into it at all. Um, and I would say that this is maybe one of those times where JK maybe realized like, hmm, maybe I shouldn't give that much background because I'm going to get in trouble if I yeah. fuck it up. Um, and so like maybe this was maybe a smart move on her part um, for not doing that. Um, but it definitely leaves a ton of things like open to interpretation in terms of like how um, how selves like how self magic works and how it like ties them to a family and like what started that and like if it is a how self magic like is it just inherent have they always been this way um you know so it's it's hard to kind of figure that out um yeah and so even without knowing kind of the specifics about how self like the beginning of house health wizard relationships in the book um there were a ton of evidence in folklore that showcased like a very similar um, type of partnership or servitude or however you want to look at it. Um, and obviously, I mean, this is the way that elves are used in the Harry Potter universe is dramatically different the way that elves are used in a lot of other fairy tales or um, it just like fantasy novels, right? Like Tolkien's elves don't look anything like J.K. Rowling's elves and so on. Um, but there are kind of very specific elf figures in folklore and fairy tales from a couple of different, you know, countries and backgrounds that really closely resemble what we see as house elves. At least I think you dived into that a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I didn't dive into a whole lot. I mostly just pulled from stuff that like, I've remembered just like reading different folklore, um, like different tales and things like that, um, that just kind of like sprung to mind. And then a couple of them were also found on like, um, you know, like the Lex, like the Harry Potter lexicon and stuff like that. Um, but 
Um, the big ones that really kind of stuck out. So like in the UK, and this is probably 99% of where JK got this um, because it's from the UK, um, specifically big in Scotland as well. Um, but like brownies or brownies, depending on like accent or region. Can you say um, it with an accent for us? Oh, I'm going to offend all can of you, Scotland. Can you do it in both ways so that we can hear it properly pronounced? Right. So, brownies and right. brownies. Brownies. <laughs> And brunies. <laughs> yes. That's good. That was what we wanted. Thanks. Servant. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so um, basically in like Scottish folklore um, and like kind of that like Celtic folklore, um, brownies will do housework and chores like in exchange for food, like um, a bowl of milk or something left by the hearth. Um, and then they've also, what's really interesting about um, brownie folklore um, is that they have evolved quite a bit. Um, so like in more traditional tellings of of folklore they really do just like they're like normal sized kind of like gnome like figures they're like always kind of dirty and like a little ratty um and um the but they're like full sized um and then as those tales kind of became a little bit more modern um you know who's to say what modern means um in scottish history because it's such an ancient history um so that could be you know still centuries years old but like they started to become um like more elf-like in the way that we see house elves, right? Kind of like scrawny and wrinkly and pointy um, and like, you know, not wearing clothes very much and like things like that. Um, so this is very, very much where I think that a lot of this kind of comes into the fold because um, especially with the idea that like maybe house elves or their magic is just inherently tied to wizarding communities. Um, brownies are inherently tied to people as well um so like it could be just that like that's where she went and she didn't really feel like it needed an explanation because everybody would just kind of get that because this is kind of more common um but we don't have that type of folklore here so it's a little bit different that um, makes a lot of sense though um because I reading your research I was immediately remembering um the fairy tale the shoemaker and the elves mm-hmm, about the yeah. like the poor shoemaker who is you know he goes to sleep when he wakes up someone has made shoes for him he eventually finds out that it's like you know three very small like little el- like little elves um and he and his wife make clothes for them to thank them so obviously there's like a direct parallel between wow. what she's pulled for house elves yeah. yeah there's some other famous elves who we may have heard of <laughs> 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 who debatably live in servitude who I think are tied to your sexual awakening, Sean. Um, <laughs> Which ones? I'm talking about Bernard from the Santa Claus. Oh, no. <laughs> Great. Can't have a can't have an podcast about elves and not talk about David Crumbles. Let's Great. go. <laughs> the hottest, grumpiest elf that has ever graced the screen. Yes. <laughs> uh, no, you think I mean, he's the he- hottest elf who's ever graced? Yes, I do. yes I do I feel so confident saying that you could name any other elf and I would disagree yeah. with you what who is no the, you the you put Orlando elf. Bloom <laughs> and Bernard the elf next to each other and I know who I would pick yeah 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 I mean yeah no you're not wrong that's fair um <laughs> and then so you also see like similarly in France you have the I've done a bunch of this I'm sure but the Falfidae um they're like essentially like always depicted in like small tattered like wrinkled um like things like that um and they tend to actually do like outside work like horse 
tending and like ranching, I guess, like they kind of do like farm work. Um, so I guess that's more gnome-like, um, but like they're typically more of the outside. Um, and then you also see um, in Russia, the domovoi, um, and they're like considered like household fae or household spirits. Um, and they like live in the hearth, um, almost, it kind of reminds me of like Calcifer <laughs> from like Howl's Moving Castle, right? And you just like give him some food and then he like cleans the house. Um, but like, um, yeah, so it's kind of the same idea where it's like in exchange for like, how like essentially like housing and food these spirits will like protect your home and that's like kind of a common theme um amongst these however where that obviously departs from house elves is they're just in servitude they don't really get anything in exchange um except for like the bare technically minimum, a place to live but no clothing like- and i i know we're going to talk about this i i do think they're is like a more complicated reading of house elves than we're given that JK gives us and that quite honestly any of the characters give us but I before we completely dive into that um maybe we should talk about their magic a little bit just kind of get like the basis so we're we're going and knowing exactly what house elves are what they do before we kind of start getting into the the complicated politics of house elves yeah mm-hmm um lisa thank you for doing all of this research (laughs) (laughs) oh man yeah and i mean i can kind of start jumping into some of the things that like prompted me to want this episode and mostly it's house elf apparition (laughs) to be perfectly honest because okay not until the seventh book do we hear about how self-apparition being able to be used the same way as like wizard apparition, right? Like you can use it as side-along apparition. Like they can take people with them. Now, Dobby knows this, right? Like the wizards didn't know this. Terry has to ask Dobby if he can do it. And Dobby's like, yeah, sure. Why not? Um, And we actually know it doesn't, it doesn't work just like wizard apparition. It's like, there it's are way no limits better. to it. Well, the way in there theory, are. it's not necessarily better. It's because, like, I almost kind of think about it like it's operating on just like a slightly different wavelength, right? Like you can you can block a different, like you can block a gamma ray, but you can maybe not block an X ray, right? Like same thing. I'm sure those are. I don't even. Yeah, and, and I think it's but like it's also that like wizards are spelling against wizard right. operation, and they're just mm-hmm. not because again they look down on house elves that you know wizard supremacy they're just like not trying to put up barriers against it so I guess you're right it might not be more powerful it's just that like no one in this story is taking it into account right which would have solved so many problems yeah I just like there are like and I have a couple of examples of where like so like the big one right is like Regulus right so like Regulus finds out that Voldemort tried to kill his house elf and then the house elf just apparates out of the cave because Regulus tells him to come home right so he takes Creature back to the cave to go get the Horcrux and then orders Creature to go home and Regulus gets dragged to the bottom of the Black Lake cool the reason Creature doesn't bring Regulus with him is because he wasn't ordered to bring him with him right he was ordered to Mm. leave but like if he had just been like, can you take me with you? So I, 
I don't, I, I think the problem there is actually something about the magic of Big Cave that wouldn't let him leave less than like, because we also know that like they have to follow orders, but obviously they can in some ways rebel against that impulse if it's strong enough. And I would think that like creature wanting to save like his master would be that. I, I think the issue is more that whatever magic is in that cave is like specifically out to harm the wizard there. And I, I just think he wouldn't be able to get it back. Although the only yeah. the only argument I have against that is because the Malfoys, you can't operate in and out of the Malfoys either. But Dobby can take them in and out. But that well, they like they need it for their ser- to provide services. Like it's kind of like well, that's what I mean. Like but I'm saying clearance. like like oh, general, that's a good like, that's a good point. Yeah, it's like they have like a different like ID card. Yeah, they have a different ID card. <laughs> I guess, but also I don't know. I don't know. I still think that they like very like again. Uh, also, Was Regulus drinking the potion? Yeah. And so he probably wasn't in his right mind to even. Well, no, but he could have like you know ahead of time because Dumbledore like, was like, "Kill me!" <laughs> when <laughs> like... we get the Horcrux, just apparate us both the fuck out. Oh yeah, that would you be know. Smart. And like that's it, because that's how he got Creature to leave, right? He told him he had to leave the second he got the Horcrux, and so that's how he left. Um, hmm. But like, yeah, it just feels like there, there, there were other options. And again, I know that this is like totally like out of the realm of things but there was there's so many times when i was listening to him like how self-operation would have been really helpful <laughs> <laughs> like serious in the department of mysteries is a big one oh my like gosh. could have yeah. just like asked dobby to go check on sirius hmm. like hey is your is sirius home oh yeah. yeah he is great well i mean they asked creature <laughs> yeah but creature's a dirty liar like don't, and also, don't talk of, no don't talk about <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying he's a it's not it's his fault but he was lying and he is then, like there's just like so many different things and the only one that I think in my brain that I think is like plausible that house elves couldn't help with is like breaking into Gringotts because yeah, I have be- a feeling that goblins wouldn't underestimate house elf magic yeah goblins are smarter than that yeah goblins are too smart so I have a feeling like I understand that one but Didn't like they all have an uprising together. Oi. I don't know. Sorry. But like also like little things like cool, just apparate me in and out of the chamber of fucking secrets. Oh. The and house elves didn't even know about the chamber of secrets. Yeah, but they they can still go there. I'm just no, not I'm if just they don't know there. about it. I don't know. I still I feel. I feel strongly about how self-apparition being strongly underutilized. <laughs> Just saying. It's interesting that you still take the position that they should be used. <laughs> I know. Well, I also talk about that and like, I don't feel that they should be like, but think about like how self-magic in general, right? Like, so one of the things that is also crazy to me is that like, there isn't more logic built into the idea that like house elves do have a little bit of a history because they're super powerful. Like they have the same magic essentially that like registers as wizard magic um, without using wands and also without any kind of formal education on how to use their magic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, like, and they're equally as powerful in, in their own right. Um, and it's not just like, for lack of a better word, kitchen magic, right? Like we see right. it used aggressively against um, Lucius in the second book. Mm-hmm. So it it can absolutely have like a 
um, uh, you know, like a aggressive component to it. Mm-hmm. Right. And like wizards, human beings have a longstanding history of recognizing the value and like strength of people that they deem belief beneath them. It feels very unlikely to me that there's not just some sociopath out there with a house self army. Uh, another thing to really, that is very funny to think about with a house elf army is like, so again, we know they have all this magic. We know they have all this power, but in the battle of Hogwarts, don't they talk about creature just like running around with a meat cleaver, like chopping at, <laughs> just like chopping at their ankles. <laughs> Good for him. He's been saving that up for eons. <laughs> but yes, they definitely do. Absolutely. When all of them could have just like snapped their fingers and like blasted everything. <laughs> No, they were like, we need to feel the kill. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I need to- mm-hmm. They needed to feel that knife going right into their little ankles. Wizard blood is delicious. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so we know that they are wandless magic users, um, which we've talked about on this show before. Wizards can do it too. It's just not very common in Great Britain. Um, but if I'm remembering this correctly, it, not only do they not have to use wands, but there is a stigma attached to the use of wands by non-magical creatures, right? Because when Winky is found with Harry's wand, it's like a huge deal that Mm -hmm. she had stolen this wand or had, you know, used it, even though it was acknowledged that she could use it to cast magic, like they, you know, she would have had the ability had she had access to it. Um, But wizards are very careful not to let non-human magical creatures have wands because I think that was also an issue with goblins, right? Not Mm -hmm. being very like salty about not being able to purchase or use wands. Because uh, it's probably rooted in something like very real displays of power by house elves and goblins when they have access to those things. Like humans are just like universally the weakest animal. (laughs) Like we need the wands. So it makes sense that you know, you won't empower this much more inherently powerful being with a tool to enhance their magic. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I guess that kind of goes back to like why they have, like why there isn't some crazy person out there, like building a house elf army, right? Like, cause they fear the idea of that, I guess. Like, yeah, but like, I don't know, this was one of the things that like, just like jumped in my brain and like my crazy musings. And I was just like, but it just pisses me off because like, you wouldn't ask Gandalf to hang out at the Shire while everyone else goes off to fight. You know, like if you've got a really magic, powerful, magical being, you don't, you don't not use them again. I don't want, I don't know. Hold on. Though. We, elves. we let Tom Bombadil just like hang out in the woods for Yeah, centuries. but that's because Tom Bombadil refused to go anywhere. <laughs> that motherfucker wanted to sing songs and hang out with fatty lumpkins <laughs> And his wife, the daughter River, like you two get so happy when Tom Bombadil comes up. We love Tom Bombadil. This is a little bit of a deviation um, from Harry Potter, but I am doing an audiobook listen of Lord of the Rings, and it's narrated by Andy Serkis, and it's oh my god, incredible, and it's giving me so much joy. I did a full reread last year. And I tried too many times to read them and I gave up, but the audiobook is incredible. So I, this was my, my third series reread. And this was the first time that I was like, not only do I get it, but I like cried like many, many times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm obsessed with the audiobook. I'm loving it so much. 
like yes, Annie Caleb. Circus is making all of that insanely like detailed exposition on bramble bushes a little bit more bearable. Oh, I love it. Talk, I've talk never to me read, about a tree for 30 minutes. Like, I've never read Lord of the Rings. You don't need to, but I do recommend, <laughs> I recommend listening to this audiobook. It's incredible. You just how, read the, how, how read many the Hobbit. I've read The Hobbit like three it's times. But... 20 hours. Oh, Just Lord. for the first one. Oh, shit. Okay. Uh-huh. So it's a lot, but it's incredible. I digress. Sorry. Sorry. House elves. Oh, those dirty bastards. <laughs> dirty um. bastards. But yeah, so like, I feel like there is definitely a reason why that like wasn't included. Also, because like she can't provide history for everything. But I felt, well, no, she I certainly like, tries, though, doesn't she? That's what I mean. Like, this is one of those things where, like, house elves don't go away. It's not like a fleeting plot point, you know? Like, it's not like the Vila, which uh, show up one time and then, like, never show up again. You know, like, house elves are a huge part of the story from the second book onward um, to the point that, like, you know, it becomes a major character development for Hermione and, like, all of these things where there could have been a little bit more yeah well we just talked about in the last episode that like ron wanting to like protect the hogwarts house elves was like one of his like biggest character development moments yeah and the uh, i in in rereading the series i was struck by um how powerful it was um or like all the reflections harry received from folks about how he dug dobby's grave like by hand and like calling him like an extraordinary wizard like that had never been done before um right because it's um uh it's the goblin who's like very taken with the Mm -hmm. idea like decides to help him Mm -hmm. because he did this for a non you know human magical creature yeah yeah he calls him like a peculiar wizard yeah that's what it is and he's just like very impressed with just like yeah, how he treats magical creatures. Um, I mean, and that's the thing, like magical creatures tend to have more respect, like Hagrid, right? Like mm-hmm. the centaurs, while not always agreeing with Hagrid, do respect him because he shows such care and respect for all magical beings, not just humans. Um, and like, that's one of the reasons why wizard, the wizarding community looks so far down on Hagrid because he shows so much respect for non-magical or non-human magical creatures. A one that he himself is mm-hmm. partially yeah, one. But technically like mm-hmm. nobody knows that but right yeah okay no one, no one knows this like eight foot tall Ugh. man is <laughs> like like the worst surprise <laughs> like come on yeah, and I, I know we want to do a Goblin episode, which I'm really excited about, because I, I do think there is this, like, very rich, mostly untapped vein about the relationship between these magical creatures and the way they interact with the wizarding worlds, um, the way they're in it, but, you know, not in it, and how they're often looked down upon. And that kind of relationship between, you know, like like we said, we they probably wouldn't be able to operate into uh, Gringotts because goblins would be aware and respectful of their magic and how you know um was it it was grip hook right in the seventh Mm -hmm. book right who is like essentially helps harry because of the way that he 
treat it, Dobby, how there is clearly some sort of respect or camaraderie. I don't know what we would classify it as within these sort of like subgroups. Yeah. Should we touch on wizard supremacy for a sec? Yeah, yeah. let's do I it. Think that was you did a lot of the heavy lifting on that. Oh, there was no lifting done at all. I, I copied and pasted a picture into the notes. Um, oh, great. We love that. Yeah, so, tell us about the picture. Uh, so uh, I remembered the um, just like how grotesque and horrible and scary the Magic is Might statue is, as it was described in the books. Um, so uh, after the Ministry of Magic fell, um, the God, what was the old statue called? It was like oh. the Kumbaya. Oh, I don't yeah, remember. It was the that one was... where like all of the magical creatures are looking longingly at the. Yeah, the they're world. like. Yeah. Mm. Uh, anyway, that the nice statue was replaced with this very like Soviet era <laughs> <laughs> uh, statue, um, and I, I found the concept art from um, Deathly Hallows, but uh, the film, um, and it's two wizards like on top of a huge, just like marble square uh being held up by muggles <laughs> who are just like looking sick and weak and um and i think per the book description there's also house elves and other magical creatures hold- no i think that correct is just no? i think it's just, just muggles. muggles yeah, yeah the I original the original statue has the witch and wizard and then the mm-hmm. house elf uh centaur and a goblin is that right i think so okay um so right this is just to illustrate um you know it's a snapshot of what wizard supremacy is um Mm -hmm. and so this is the ideology held by a lot of witches and wizards um even folks who are opposed to discrimination based on blood status um it's the belief that wizards are supreme of all creatures just like as muggles, we have human exceptionality that drives our rationalizing, taking over the world and destroying it. Um, it's just sort of like an accepted and not questioned ideology um, in the wizarding world. And we don't see it questioned until Hermione, uh, who is muggle-born, um, learns more about the injustices or her perceived injustices of how wizards treat um house elves so yeah this is i mean we have like blood status is like drives the entire plot um and so it is interesting that it does feel like a a, something that's kind of skimmed over like the speciesism of it seems like it's skimmed over in the main plot do you guys agree with that or yeah i I do want to share a quote um so as you said, it's Hermione is really the one that we see throughout this story who is like house elf rights are, you know, her thing. It's a huge part of the fourth book. Um, we know that Dumbledore treats uh, the house elves at Hogwarts very, very well. He takes Dobby in when he can't find work. Um, we know that uh, Hogwarts is the largest single dwelling of house elves in Great Britain. And there is a quote from Harry Potter wiki about essentially how house elves come to be at Hogwarts. And the quote is Helga Hufflepuff was credited with bringing the house elves to Hogwarts. They're technically still bound to servitude. Bringing them to a place with good working conditions was the most moral choice available at the time. 
So we see, end quote. And so we see there are these other characters that are seemingly interested in this, or it's something that for a very, very long time, wizards were aware that this wasn't a good thing. Um, and we're kind of trying to make the best of a bad situation. But even with all of that, we don't see anyone rise to the point of being like, well, we should just not have them in servitude. Yeah. Hmm. There, there must be a history, as we were saying earlier, like there must be a brutal history where these creatures who were sovereign <laughs> and probably like living some sort of like utopic li- like I just imagine that wizards had to like go in and decimate whatever like societies they had um, to subjugate them to like create those awful conditions like, like those awful conditions fire and then just like yeah like those yeah, awful conditions <laughs> didn't exist in a in a vacuum and then Helga Hufflepuff white ladied <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I I do really I want to dig into that I want to talk about Spew I want to talk about even like Hermione's weird way of talking about house elves something I do want to address first and I know that this is something that has been like a very popular comparison for as long as these books have gone out which is like the comparison between house elves and other like actual marginalized people and yeah. I don't like it and I think it's gross and I just would like to like bring that to the forefront now so that when we're talking about house elves in the context of this book there is like no question that we we might be drawing comparisons to Mm -hmm. any other marginalized group because i think caleb you appear it's been compared um obviously with like kind of like western black enslavement it's been i think that was lisa oh with lisa i'm sorry um it's been okay and then someone mentioned that it was also there have been um like ties between hermione and spew and like the modern feminism movement I, I don't, we're not touching any of that. I don't think any of us think that there are parallels to that. So I like, mm-hmm. I just don't want anything that we say to make it sound like we might be also drawing those, you know, comparisons to the actual real world. Yeah. And one of the things that, um, like when I was trying to do just like even a semblance of research, like that was the big thing where I was like, ah, absolutely like, no. Mm-hmm. And like most of the time I was finding articles with people saying like, stop comparing these things together. They are not even close to being the same thing. And they absolutely are not Um, like the, you know, I think it's, it's so inappropriate to try to compress like so many years of like, historical trauma into like this very simple analogy which is just wildly offensive yeah and it it also I think the idea that stops us from talking about some of the really interesting things about house elves that um get kind of treated very weirdly even just like within the wizarding universe and so yeah I just like want to I want to make it clear that those are weird comparisons that have been around for as long as these books have been around and have always been weird and uncomfy and like we're not (laughs) we're not agreeing with them and we're not bringing them into it. So please don't read that into like anything that we're about to say. Good disclaimer. I will want to talk about Hermione's feminism a little bit though. (laughs) I I think you can talk about how wizarding supremacy has like leaked into Hermione, even in her best (laughs) efforts. Um, 
because like she, God, they all just talk about these households in such like wild ways. Um, yeah. <laughs> like- but okay. So yeah. So now that that disclaimer is out of the way and we've like acknowledged those troubling comparisons uh, that people keep trying to make, let, let's talk spew. Spew. Uh, whilst doing some research, uh, I was thinking a little more about Ron because now I love Ron after our Ron episode. <laughs> as, as one does. And was just uh, reflecting that he made fun of the name the whole time. If he'd had the emotional, what what is it, more than like the emotional capacity of a teaspoon. Teaspoon, yeah. Mind, he said. Like, if he had had that, he could have said like, Hey, I don't think that's a great name. Maybe people would be more receptive if it was like a different name, but instead right. he made fun of it. But he was right. He was right. <laughs> Very right. And in retrospect, like he was kind of right to make fun of the whole endeavor because it was oh, yeah. problematic. Yeah. Oh, very problematic. What does SPEW stand for? Uh, Society-, Society for the Promotion of Elfish Welfare. Yep. Oh, gosh. And it was only because the like name that she had chosen, which I can't remember, but it was like so long. And she was like, it wouldn't fit on the badges. It was something like, like wizards are terrible and need to stop enslaving house elves. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was something. Hang on. I can look it up really quick. I always think that the P in spew is promotion. I always think it's protection. I feel like one day I'm going to lose on like a trivia and I'm going to be really salty about it. Yeah. That'll be... What did you lose? You lost for like a few called... before, Okay, right? I, found the, I found the whole name. So the whole organization that Hermione wanted to call it was Stop the Outrageous Abuse of Our <laughs> Fellow Magical Creatures and Campaign for a Change in Their Legal Status. She's so smart and so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> so that's incredible um, and not what ended up happening with the name of Spew. So that's how we got Spew. And so we... We obviously meet House Elves, we meet Dobby in um, the second book in Chamber of Secrets, and we don't really talk about House Elves as a whole, right? Like, we talk about Dobby specifically, and then Harry learns a little bit from the Weasleys that, like, oh, House Elves belong to kind of ancient, very wealthy families, you know, kind of talked about in general terms. But it's not until Goblet of Fire where we meet our second House Elf. We meet Winky at the um, Quidditch World Cup. And that's also the year that we discover all of the house elves living in Hogwarts. And so it's the treatment of Winky by Barty Crouch Sr. Um, and Diggory. And Diggory, yeah. And, um, oh God, what's his what's his first name? Amos, Amos, Amos. Diggory. Um, who kind of like make Hermione realize that there is this injustice happening. She goes on like a hunger strike for a little bit when she finds out that the house elves in Hogwarts kitchen are the ones making all her food. And she not only starts spew, but she embarks on her goal of tricking the house elves into freedom. (laughs) (sighs) It's fascinating that she even thought it could work magically. Yeah, like that. Surely the magic doesn't work like that. But okay, but hold on. It does, though. That's the problem. What do you mean? That's how like because Dobby's free. No, but ownership. But all like, Lucius does is master. Lucius gives him a sock. Like Harry can't give him. Yeah, a sock. like it, it's the who's the master. Oh, gotcha. So your argument is like Hermione just couldn't, Hermione even if she doesn't own yeah. these house elves. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so she's like knitting 
stupid hats and socks and stuff and like hiding them under garbage. So like households have to pick them up. And then finally, Dobby's the only one who will clean the Gryffindor common room. And he's like wearing all her stupid hats at once. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Hermione doing that is me wearing a Save Darfur t-shirt every day in high school. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same nice. misguided good intention. Thing. Same energy. Same energy. Yeah. I really... It's easy to uh, criticize her efforts here, but it's like she was like 13. <laughs> right. You know, 14. she's like trying her best in terms of like trying to figure out like how to like actually do it. Like, the, mm-hmm. I mean, and she starts campaigning around the school, and Fred and George are like, no, like, have you ever met the house elves? Like, they like their jobs, you know, like, and then she even goes to Hagrid, and Hagrid's like, no, you'd be doing them a disservice by trying to free them. Um, and then she brings up Dobby as an example and Hagrid's response is literally like, well, you get nutters in every breed. And it's like, <laughs> oh, oh, okay, but- boy, boy, oh boy. Okay. But who, who is right? So that like, what, as we've been talking about house elves, I have been really struggling with like, we see them and Hermione presents them as these like poor creatures who have been enslaved by wizards and they're miserable and they need uneducated. to be free. They're uneducated. Yeah. What was the, uh, what was that quote? Uh, sh- I-, I don't know what it's in response to, but she, she says that's, be- oh, they're happy doing whatever. Uh, she says that's because they're uneducated and brainwashed. <laughs> right. Oh, well. I think that the only thing that's like sad about Hagrid's hanging getting nutters in every breed it's like is Dobby crazy for not wanting to be physically abused how did he get get out mentally like I think because the Malfoy's abuse of him was so dramatic yeah there was so much of it um like even creature right like he didn't he wasn't abused his Hmm. family like say what you will about the dark wizards that the blacks were they treated creature very well barring Mm -hmm. serious you know um so like it seems that like most wizarding families do treat their house elves pretty well um and not obviously clearly not the case for everyone like the Malfoys abused Dobby to the point where he tried everything he could to get out um but like I think that's the difference right like that's what makes Dobby different can I share this quote that I found on Pottermore. Um, The quote is, the house elves failing came from the fact that they were expected to serve. Happily spending their days cooking up feasts, they never turned their minds to the potential for rebellion because it was simply not how they operated. They worked in teams and they lived to serve. And without someone to teach them that there there might be a better way, that was how it would remain. Why would wizards ever seek to re-educate when their instincts towards servitude were so beneficial towards them? End quote. And my, my argument is that like the issue is not that house elves have a natural affinity for service and for this like type of community, but the issue is actually just like the wizard impulse impulse to exploit this labor. And I think that's where like Hermione gets it wrong, where there isn't like the fact that house elves, like they like, they like to, you know, clean homes and cook and like live in these sort of like 
serving familial communities. Mm-hmm. And it seems from that quote that I, I, so I just pulled that from like a Pottermore article on house elves. I interpret that as, you know, even without wizards, that's the way they were operating in community with each other. That's what I think that implies. And the issue is not with like, oh, it's bad to have the impulse for that or for that to be a part of like your makeup. The issue is that someone came along and exploited those not bad impulses. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think Adabi literally explains that to Hermione, you know, when he's talking about how dumb much Dumbledore wanted to pay him, like he's getting, you know, he gets like one day off a month and a, a galley in a week. Right. Mm-hmm. And Hermione's like, well, that's not very much. <laughs> and he was like, well, Dumbledore offered me 10 galleons a week and weekends off, but I don't want too much time off. I like doing work more. You know, so he likes he likes his job. He likes being able to serve people. Um, And I think in the case, you know, in the case of most house elves, that's the case. He likes being able to just like they like their jobs. I wonder if the joy is in service or like a certain pride taken at like a job well done in general or like the upkeep of a home you know what I mean I think it could be both I mean obviously like there is it's not inherently bad to take pride in service or for that Mm -hmm. to be your impulse especially when it is you know used in this kind of community environment obviously like the impulse to serve the others in your community is an extremely like good and beneficial impulse Mm -hmm. yeah I mean and we see it in creature right the second that like he's shown any kind of kindness from harry ron and hermione the house is spotless Mm -hmm. like magic that molly weasley the greatest witch of all time couldn't (laughs) achieve you know creature does it in like a day where he's like oh the house is clean again and look at my tufty ear hair and he cooks and and that's how he takes pride and that's yeah. how he shows his love and devotion to these three people by taking care of them in that way. Hmm. And that's what's frustrating that like Hermione can't see that it isn't bad. It, they're not bad and their nature isn't bad. Mm-hmm. Wizarding nature is bad. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, and we see it too, like the house elves specifically are bound to their houses, not necessarily to the family because they can clearly be inherited, right? So, but they are, they're bound to their houses um, and they don't have to do a good job. Mm. If they don't want to, if they don't like who they're serving, they don't have to do a good job. They have to obey orders, but they can do it as poorly as they want, right? Like creature literally does fuck all. Like every time anybody asks him to do anything, he's like, sure, I'll do the bare minimum because I have to, but like, "Mm, fuck you. Um, And then as soon as he's like happy and feeling respected, he's like, "Mm, I'm going to give you the top treatment, you know? So like they have loopholes in their magic where they're like, uh, you know, and not again, not to say that like having to obey orders is a good thing. Right. But like, they do have the loophole that they're like, basically they can do a shit job. Mm-hmm. Right. And, cl- and clearly that like having to be orders that comes with the wizards taking advantage. That's yeah. probably not a natural feature of them being in community with each other. 
but how I mean but that's again we don't really know like we are we're given no right. no background on that so like if it is the case of like a brownie where they're like magic is specifically linked to the human connection then I would say it's like inherent in the way that their magic is made versus like something that somebody cast a big spell over all the house elves you know since mm-hmm. millennia ago um which is confusing yeah I always kind of took it as more of like again sort of wizards finding this way of taking advantage of what were like naturally good impulses so it's like their magic worked this way but it wasn't it wasn't necessarily like they they weren't created to just like respond to wizards needs right, right? like that that seems yeah. very unlikely um right. so i think it's it's more likely that whatever that magic and that like you know inner like working for you know servitude and the the serving of their fellow Mm-hmm. elf or wizard or whatever it was it seems more likely that like wizards caught on to that and just found a way to use it to their benefit i mean i agree and i wonder at again the the history piece of what did you know was it a mutually beneficial protective relationship you know that like like we know from this series that like love is a magic <laughs> and loyalty is a magic and like doing ugh, like acts of devotion or whatever like creates like a bond a magical bond um and so the history of this might not be as sorted as we think right, like it might not be Malfoy's, as, as we think it is Mal- yeah the Malfoy you know manner approach might be an exception to what what has been a harmonious relationship, but we just, we don't know. I, so I, I agree with you that it's possible that it in the beginning, like the very, very beginning, wherever mm-hmm. these relationships started to form, that it, it might have been a matter of like protection or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it was. I will say that it definitely go that kind of like negative interaction relationship. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Obviously at least goes as far back as, the founding of Hogwarts because Helga Hufflepuff brings all of them in mm-hmm. as some sort of protection. Like, okay, you're still in servitude, but we can treat you well. Right. So I would, ha- and I mean, that's, yeah. Good how point. old is Hogwarts? I mean, we don't Pretty know, old. but it's at least over a thousand years old. It's like old. So uh, for at least <laughs> as far back as like it's founding, this was happening. So I, I think yeah. that also gives us somewhat of a timeline of how long house elves and human ha- house elves have been, working for humans and it goes back a pretty long time there's also like so we see in fantastic beasts um there are house elves working the bar in new york city so there is some sort of house elf diaspora (laughs) 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 like across the magical universe um so those relationships might have looked vastly different like across continents even um, with wizard supremacy still being the rule at the end being the the leading factor for sure yeah yeah of diaspora oh we have so much time on our hands <laughs> or uh, not enough or not enough <laughs> yeah. um so do we just want to talk for like just a little bit about just our favorite house elf moments in the books oh i, I don't know if i have them queued up in my brain do you okay we can think about it i this pasted is- a picture of drunk winky into the show notes oh my god winky makes me so sad i like because we don't so obviously we see her again in uh goblet of fire once like 
Barty Crouch Sr. kicks her out. She goes and um, works in the Hogwarts kitchens. And then, like, do we see Winky again? She could. They ask her. They ask about her in the fifth book. And Dobby's like. She's like a, not great. Yeah, she's like a drunk. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's all we get. We get that, like, Dobby uses the room of requirement so that Link- Winky can, like, sleep off her hangovers. Oh, right. my gosh. We just, like, but that's about it. Like, that's, and like, then- so devastating. Why I know, can't I? She never gets a... Re- she and Trelawney. Right. Oh, so. my God. I would read that fan fiction. <laughs> oh, just, like, shit. Buds, um, buds like- drinking together <laughs> in the room of requirement. I'm... There's a post-it a-coming. <laughs> That will never lead to a fan fiction. God, (laughs) could you imagine? I want, I want Winky to go live with Professor Trelawney. Like, my God, are they sober buds together? Are they like golden girls? They're absolutely not. They're drunk as fuck together. And Winky hates Trelawney because he can clearly tell that she's a fraud and not a respectable witch. Um, But (laughs) she has nowhere else to go. Like Trelawney's the only one who would take her in. Yeah. Um, and my sherry bottles. Yep. Um, and <laughs> Trelawney is just has no fucking concept for the fact that Winky just keeps making snide comments at her. <laughs> um, and it's great. Uh, I want this. This is a good Netflix show. Lush witches. Oh, right. I love it. <laughs> um, all right. So Winky never gets justice until our fan fiction series pops off right. and then she will have her day in the she's sun. gonna get a new job she's gonna <laughs> get a new haircut i'm okay. also picturing this weird sort of like nine to five like they're both just like working <laughs> <Yeah>. girls <laughs> like- me too yeah it's 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 the 80s right now too <laughs> i think i have my favorite house elf moment Okay. Yes. Um, and I don't know if this is true, but it's the one that's coming to my mind right now. And I, it's making me chuckle. Um, it's the scene where Harry realizes he can ask Creature to tail Malfoy. And so he like summons him to the hospital wing and he summons Creature and Dobby at the same time because Dobby is trying to beat the shit out of Creature for <laughs> harassing or for insulting Harry. Um, and Peeves comes with them and he's like, and Ron and Harry are like splitting them apart. And Peeves is like, what the fuck? I was watching that. Like, <laughs> oh my God. Peeves is the best. So I guess it maybe is one of my favorite Peeves moments, but it was brought on by House Elves. So I like it. I don't think I have a favorite moment except for like Dobby generally being awesome near the end. But as a kid, I remember just being so angry at the injustice of Harry getting in trouble for Dobby. His hover charm. The yes. hover charm. I just remember being like, what a fucking idiot. Like, I, I don't know if we were supposed to dislike him, but I really hated that character. For you were supposed to be annoyed, I think. He was so awful and dumb. And the illustration was weird. Yeah. Well, Tennis I think ball, he was- eyes. He was cuter in the illustrations than they made him in the movie. Oh, I absolutely. do not do not care for the choices. He's like a they made. wrinkly old yeah. I think well, and I think that the reason that like so you're supposed to feel the way the like the way about Hobby that Harry feels about Dobby, right? I said Hobby. Um, <laughs> That's um, their relationship. <laughs> Hobby. <laughs> um but you're supposed to feel about Dobby the same way that like, Harry feels about Dobby, where he's kind of like, what the 
fuck is this guy doing to me? Like, why is this house so fucking with me? I'm very upset about it. Please, please stop it. Like, <laughs> don't. And Dobby's like, no, I'm going to try to knock you off your broom with a bludger. <laughs> and Harry's just like, fuck. And you know that's how-, how kind of we felt. How I always pictured Dobby like before the movies came out was, do you remember that show Avril Monsters? Yeah, yes. I pictured him as like that oh, little like, like yes. That's how I always the... thought about it. No, that's Crumb with his eyeball. Oh, yeah. Icus the is the red one. Oh, yeah. that guy. Yeah. Oh, I like that. And then I remember mm. seeing him in the movie and being like, Mm-mm, my way what? was better. <laughs> yeah, I like the idea that character. he's supposed to look like Icus because that's really cute. That is really cute. I'll think of that next time I read it. Because <laughs> he's got such big ears. Yeah, because they and droop these... sometimes, and he like holds them down. Yeah, and then he just has like those big old eyes, and he like looks more like an anime character than like a weird old man in my mind. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and Dami had some of his cute moments, but like mostly he was just creepy. Should we do our sign off? Yeah, probably. Yeah, let's let's finish this up. <laughs> okay. Almost 10 o'clock. All right. So, ah. let's wrap up house self enslavement. That's it. We did let's it. Wrap up. <laughs> I'm said sure everything we that could be up. said. Um, but if people are interested in old folklore, you should look up some of those old creatures because it's all actually very, very interesting. Um, and we're going to talk more about magical creatures in the future. So buckle up. Let us know which ones you want to know more about. Yeah, we're thinking so far goblins and centaurs. That's on the docket. But if we're missing something that you really want to hear more about, please let us know. We'll also do werewolves. Yes, I am very excited to talk about goblins. You guys know how I feel about horses. So we'll get to that centaur episode. <laughs> Wait, I don't know how you feel about horses. I just think they're I just think they're dumb. Horses are like universally the most brilliant, like everyone loves them. What are you talking about? Horses are smart. No, that's not true. Horses are not universally loved. All right. I'm going to stick a claim in something right now. We need to have like a horse expert on our centaur episode. (laughs) But okay. Any horse girl that is listening that wants to come on the centaur episode Please be, please be a guest. I think I have a horse girl for us. I also have a horse girl. I have a horse girl for us. All right. I don't know any horse girls. Ah, they're going to unionize though. If we get them together, they're going <laughs> to hang up on us. We got to keep them separate. The horse girls. See, if we name drop them, then they're forced to do it, right? Get back. <laughs> Let's figure it out. Let's get back to you on that. Maybe this is why um, I don't like centaurs because I just did not have any horse girls in my life. Yeah, There's so many, I feel like this could change me, mm-hmm. but I am really excited to talk about goblins, which I've been thinking about for a very long time. I think the problem with centaurs is that the thinking talking part is men. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. We see no female centaurs. Yeah, maybe I would care more if there were female centaurs and not just these like guys. Stupid faux intellectuals. <laughs> this is not a house elf. But wait, centaur but wait. Episode. Do the female centaurs have tits here or tits here? <laughs> Both. Both. I'll, uh, I'll rally a horse girl. Lisa, you rally your horse girls. Okay, great. All horse right. girls unite. House elves. Good time. House elves. We house elves. <laughs> uh, if you guys want to give us your opinion on house elves, uh, you Please can do. contact us on Instagram. We're at Watcher Harry Podcast. Or you can send us an email because we now know our password. 
<laughs> I mean, I always knew our password, but. Okay, well, maybe you should check the email a little sooner. Well, oh, I don't. Shit. don't, don't. So, and our email um, is watchyourharrypod at gmail.com, I think. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to this nonsense. We love you all for sticking along this crazy ride with us. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Bye. (laughs) The Watcher Harry podcast is hosted by me, Sean Fitzpatrick, Lisa Moen, and Caleb Kelleher. Our editing is done by me, Sean Fitzpatrick, and our theme music is Dance Macabre Busy Strings by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. It's licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.